Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is John Troopin. I am here today to talk about the Seattle Mariners, a baseball team that as we record uh, on this Friday morning, uh, the final Friday of May, um, the Mariners are unfortunately uh, in last place in the AL West by a uh, rounding error, but still last place um, nonetheless. we are going to talk about implications for the team in terms of what that looks like going forward for this year and beyond, and uh, especially if that does not change, as well as uh, what could possibly change, whether it is in fact something that could change. Uh, so here with me today to talk about that is Kate Prusser, Managing Editor at Lookout Landing. Kate? So you have your NPR voice on this morning, John. Congratulations Thank to the you. listeners, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to bring gravitas as well as oh, not disrupt yeah. my work from home roommates. <laughs> uh, we are supposed to be an analytics podcast, so it is very on brand. It's true. That's true. Uh, Evan James. Wait, we're supposed to be the analytics podcast? And this is what I'm told. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we got it. Evan. Evan, how are uh, how are things hanging by you? You know, I feel great actually. Uh, I had a yeah. friend hit me up about the Mariners. 
few days ago now and he you know like was kind of in despair and uh i was talking to kate a little bit before the podcast about the grieving process and kind of going through the stages of grief about the season and i have blown past the stages of grief and i'm in a, a whole new zone uh so feeling good and excited to talk about some of that today i am thrilled to hear that and and want to hear some of the sort of roots of that for you because um i think it's uh i think it's it's time for us to sort of start making those adjustments indeed Um, indeed it is because the mariners currently are not making adjustments they are uh sort of continuing on the path that they have started out on here and that is frustrating but, they are uh, actively getting worse, unfortunately, and a lot of not everybody is getting worse. Um, but the 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 upticks that we projected to see are not happening. So extremely frustrating. Yeah. Um, so I guess I want to focus initially. Do you guys think this is a salvageable season? And what does salvageable mean for you? If, if if do you guys still harbor any uh hopes of are are you guys still holding out playoff hopes for this team? Kate, do you want to go first? Uh sure. Well, I write the AL West uh check-in every week. It publishes every Wednesday, and so every week I publish the playoff odds and the change in the playoff odds and they are dropping steadily downwards while the angels and Astros continue to climb. I mean, it's very much, it's a, it's a stars and scrubs division, which I guess is, is appropriate because the angels play in it um, where those two teams are up at the top and there's a huge, huge gap. And then it's sort of Seattle, Texas and Oakland fighting out, things at the bottom. I think that by the end of the season it will have equalized. I think Oakland and I think Oakland will remain at the bottom. I think they're overplaying their talent level right now basically and especially I mean there's something we know there's something weird about how the Mariners and Athletics play each other. So I'm not super fussed about having lost that series. It almost felt expected to me. Um obviously very frustrating though, but like I think Oakland eventually settles into their role at the bottom. They just don't have enough major league quality hitters on that team. I think even if the bullpen, I mean, they're kind of doing a very light version of what the Mariners were doing last year, right? Where their bullpen is just bailing them out again and again. Um, But, you know, they don't have any prospect reinforcement coming on the way. They don't have, I think, the stamina to finish the year playing even as well as they are now, which is not good, but yet somehow better than the Mariners. Uh, I think Texas will rise up. They do have talented major league hitters. They're just, I don't know what happened. I feel like I might have inadvertently cursed Marcus Simeon. I'm sorry about it, but also not sorry about it because he didn't pick us. So, you know, uh, the flip side of love is hate and all that. But he's been, I'm aghast at how awful he's been. I don't, he's not this hitter. He's absolutely not. But like, just, it's, it's amazing to me how far you have to scroll on their fan graphs page to get down to him. You have to scroll like first past all the pitchers who are all in there at zero war, right? And then you have Mm -hmm. to scroll past like Zach Rex and, oh God, what's the other guy's name that I can't remember? 
some AAA guy I had not even heard of, and I I'm fairly familiar with Texas's system, so just wild wild stuff. Um, yeah, I think they they'll pull out of this tailspin there, and and I think Seattle will too. Like they just there's talent on the roster. They went and spent. I don't think you can have two back to back performances where the starting pitcher strikes out nine or more and the team loses back-to-back. That's some 2011 stuff, and this team is better than the 2011 team. Who knows how much, but I think we we can admit that they are a better collection of hitters, right? Yeah, so um, it, it'll it'll even out, but I think like my path has been very much like recognizing this team made me so angry in a way that I've not been angry before like i'm so and it was i didn't like what it was doing to me as a person like just so negative and you know there's so much negativity and sadness and genuine things to be upset about in the world right now i refuse to let the seattle mariners be one of those things for me yeah so letting go of those playoff expectations has been sad it's been a grieving process um, but it's also so much better on this side. Like it's so much better to just watch the team with no expectations, enjoy things as they are, look for the small wins, and just like really try to keep things in perspective that this is a baseball team. And if the worst thing that happens in my day is the Mariners lose, that's still an okay day. I think that is a very lovely way of framing it. Um Evan, how are how are you feeling on it? Well, you asked a couple of questions, and I'm going to agree with everything Kate said first. I, I think she's exactly right. Um, but I want to be realistic about what the Mariners' prospects were for playoffs this season, because I think when we talk about kind of like grieving and the death of the playoff aspirations, that you know, there's a real sadness and like a real a real change in perspective that comes with that. But if we're being honest. The best case scenario for this year was that the Mariners make the playoffs in kind of a second wild card scenario and don't survive past the first round, right? Like if we're being really honest, we never thought this was one of the elite teams in the league. We thought this was like a second tier team with a chance to play above their league a little bit and have some magic and make it interesting. But nobody sat here before the season and said, oh, we're going to take on Houston and the Dodgers. Like it just that wasn't the, the perspective that we took at all. And so when it comes to reevaluating where this team is, I've kind of come to the perspective that I need to view this season as part of this season and next season. So two years as kind of a single era. So we're a quarter of the way through this season. That means we're an eighth of the way through the entire process of figuring this out. And I think we've learned a lot regard like, okay, put the, put the team's record aside for a second because the record is bad. Their competitive position is bad. They have not performed well on the whole. But we've answered some key questions about the future of the team. We know what's going on with Jared is that he needs a reset. We know what's going on with Julio is that he's killing it and looks like the rookie of the year. We have Kyle Lewis back, even if he can't play the field. We have Taylor Trammell healthy, even if it looks like he maybe could use a rehab assignment. We have Logan Gilbert pitching well. We have George Kirby here. We have Paul Seawald pitching well. We have JP continuing to be excellent. We have you know, like there, there are reasons. I actually wrote out reasons. I wrote out what's called what's gone right and what's gone wrong for the uh, 
for the It's Never Sunny in Seattle podcast that we're going to record later today. And I was actually really shocked at how long the What's Gone Right list was for me because I expected the What's Gone Wrong list to really overwhelm. And I was telling Kate before the podcast that I don't like the, oh, the Mariners are like a piece away or they're really close to competitive kind of like argument that gets thrown around sometimes. But the more that I dig into this team, the more that I feel like they kind of are like close. And I don't think that they've been as bad as their record indicates. I think that they have lost some games they should have won because uh, the bullpen couldn't hold it. And they've been hurt by injuries in a way that was, you can always foresee injuries, but it's been particularly catastrophic given that Winker hasn't played up to his, you know, who we, we know he can be, that Mitch Haniger is injured and he's probably the best player on the team at any given time, and that Jared has really underperformed. Those three things have hurt us. But I see, I do see progress here. Sorry if that was super long-winded, but I think what I'm trying to say is I do think that we have figured some stuff out, that we have gotten some real answers as far as what we're doing with this rebuild. Some of those answers aren't good, but we've gotten them. You know what I mean? Like part of development is burning through the guys and seeing who's going to stick. And I think that the way to look at the rest of the season is to see, hey, who else is going to stick? So we know we know Julio's going to stick. We know Julio's here to play. What about Ibe Toro? What about Luis Turin's bat? What about Jesse Winker's bat? What about Adam Frazier's bat? What about Suarez's bat? Like there, there are still questions yet to be answered. But I am not as in despair as I was even before I wrote this list because I do see progress here. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, I think it's a it's a good um, it's a good point because it is team is almost the exact inverse of what they were last year in that they are statistically and conceptually reasonably sound roster that keeps losing anyway because their bullpen keeps falling apart and because underwhelming starts from people who you know are mostly doing fine and then give up one something goes wrong like one part of the team lets everybody else down every game it's it's amazing to me but i did that piece sorry to interrupt you john but i did that piece looking at like who's to blame And it was just incredible to me that, like, okay, the offense would have a good game, but then the pitching would implode and the bullpen wouldn't be able to pick it up. Or the pitching would have, starting pitching would give a good start and they get absolutely nothing in the, in terms of run support. It's, it's bizarrely unlucky. And Jake did a thing on, um, cluster luck and expected wins. And, you know, the Mariners have been unlucky. Like, they've just, not gotten the clutch hit at the clutch time they've they've gotten that hit but then for whatever reason it's been caught by a super defensive player i feel like the mariners have had more good defense played against them this year than i've ever seen like balls just seem to find gloves like magnetically um but it's it's so frustrating that they can't ever seem to all like all phases of the game starting pitching relief Offense, like they can't all get on the same page and all have a good game at the same time. Why? It is, it has been staggering because the last time we saw it was the last three game series here. Well, I guess that's not true. 
but you know, it was when they hosted the Rangers and the Royals was the last right. time that you know that home stretch, and it looked like oh yeah, this all works. This is what this, this team all... is supposed to look like. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just not since then. And you know, they've missed a lot of pieces. They've missed Hanniger and Lewis, and um, you know, a number of bullpen pieces, and that's obviously really hurt them. But um, but I mean, yeah, it it really has been at any given moment. They have have had the worst thing happen instead of right. the best. Um, I and do want to. Oh, sorry. Well, I just I wanted to not not necessarily push back because I think Evan, you're correct that you know by opening day, this was not a team that was going to be a competitor for the division. Um, you know the the actual roster that they put together was not one that had realistic division winning. Um, potential. I mean, it had, it could have, there's a world in which that could have happened. Um, that was, you know, hard, not as, not nearly as like <laughs> pie in the sky as like 2019 or, uh, 2020. But, um, but, you know, they built kind of a 500 roster, um, instead of what they had talked about, which was, you know, building a roster that was going to contender. And so that was, I think, a part of the disconnect was the expectations that we had that were lasting and that, you know, they were going to make these conditions, they were going to improve the roster um, in multiple ways. And instead, we suddenly ended up with this short, you know, post after the owner's lockout ended and they, you know, were suddenly scrambling and the Mariners ended up with, you know, Wicker and Suarez, which is good, but, and, and Ray, but like not necessarily number of moves that they need to actually move their roster. Um, I, I think we're still struggling with that disconnect. That's what I was going to say, like that, um, because I do want to, address this a little just because i've seen it so much on twitter like people are frustrated they're looking for someone to blame uh we need to make an org change fire scott service which is to me of all the takes the most bizarre one um fire depoto right fire 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 but like depoto was not the one who said okay we're gonna have injury prone mitch hanniger in right field and our backup for injury prone mitch hanniger is going to be uh injury stricken Kyle Lewis and then we're gonna like call it good for the outfield. Like they chose this. They constructed this. They built this. They spent on this. This was their plan. And I think you can be frustrated with DePoto for that. But I think you also I to me it's just you're working with the resources that you've been given, right? And we heard so much about how they were connected. Like, they had sought out these players. They had identified Trevor's story. They wanted Trevor's story. For whatever reason, it didn't happen. Maybe Trevor's story hates Seattle. Who knows? But, like, I... There is some evidence of that, given how he played the Boston <laughs> Right, series. right. Uh, but, like, you know, no one hates any place so bad if you shovel enough money in front of them and... Uh, they were they were unwilling to do that, commit to that. They they didn't they didn't do that. They had a plan, and their plan was I I don't think we can divorce that it was the most financially effective for them to rely on rookies and rely on in-house options. 
And I just think when we're pointing fingers, the finger pointing needs to start at the top for me. And it's tough because that's the part you can't fire. You can't fire John Stanton. So when there are ramifications, and I feel like there are going to be, people will lose their job if this keeps up all year, just because the rabble, the hungry, hungry rabble will not be satisfied unless they see changes being made. Um, But it's not, nothing will change. Nothing will change unless this the ownership group makes a significant investment in the team that so far they've been unwilling to make, or they get lucky again and they get lucky with what's been in house. And, you know, they manage to raise their way or Oakland their way into getting the most, doing the most with the least, as Angie Minting said in her very brilliant commentary that she, uh, I know it was just for title nine, but man, I really enjoyed her color commentary and I hope root brings her back to do that again. Uh, that's a that's a tangent, but anyway, nothing will change unless the the way that this team is constructed with financially changes. So, um, when we're thinking about pointing fingers, point them at the top. The question for me ends up: Is this was this an issue of? I mean, we're you know we're talking in circles on it, but was this an issue of? Stanton and ownership said, eh, you, this is your budget. Here you go. Or, you know, make it work. Or was it an issue of they had a budget and DePoto, you know, wasn't willing to felt this was the best application of resources. Right. Right. Which to me, I I would say just Occam's razor that a little like if your boss gives you a budget do you spend under the budget just because you can no you maximize the budget everybody does that right right Um, you don't ever leave money on the table in any job setting but especially not when you're trying to squeeze every bit of competitive advantage that you can out of a situation which is all baseball is set up to do it's just you know, the difference between one win is worth, what, millions of dollars, right? So, yeah, I just, to me, logically looking at it, I I think that the answer to that is clear, but. Yeah. So, I feel pretty similarly. I don't think, I think that they can play a lot better. And I don't, I also don't think that they are going to be able to get themselves back in playoff uh, hunt, really. That said, you know, yes, they are 11 games out of the playoffs, or they're 11 games out of division. They are only six and a half games out of a wild card spot. Um, So this is, you know, that's sort of the variety that they have because they do have you know, they've got hard throwing options in like Munoz and Castillo, who are these, you know, the fastball slider types. Um, and then Seawald is sort of his own animal. And then you have Murphy and Romo, who are sort of more similar to one another in terms of <laughs> they are funky righties. Um, so, you know, you are, when you get Swanson back, hope very soon. Um, I think he may actually be eligible to return Friday. Um, so he may be the one coming back 
in um, place of Drew Steckenrider. Um, you know, I don't think no... he is. Just to clarify, I'm pretty sure he's not. They said yesterday he had had additional soreness and was not on schedule. So I don't think Got so. It. Okay, then fair enough. He would, yeah, because he would be eligible to return on the twenty, either the either the twenty sixth or the twenty seventh. But yeah, if he's not ready, then he's not ready. Um. So you know, you're you're just you're looking at can this lineup outscore their pitching essentially? Because um, the past week or so, it's been much more. Of a of a return to form offensively, I think, um, at least most games. Obviously, they had the frustrating Wednesday loss, but um, but you know, broadly speaking, it's been five six runs and given up seven or eight. Uh, <laughs> so I am I am dubious of what they have left in the tank in terms of contending this year but i am curious um how this year might set them up going forward um and whether we think heads are going to roll i i think i'm going to answer the second question first in terms of heads rolling i am not of the belief that any heads are going to roll this year I think that the way last year went was so good and so recent that it would be kind of asinine to fire a bunch of people who are in charge of that and responsible for that. This this immediately, especially given that, yeah, playoff theoretically were on a lot of people's minds, but there wasn't World Series aspirations this year, so to speak. Um, and two, the flip side is that if you recall, at the end of last year, we did a podcast and we talked about where was the Mariners turning point? Because they really flipped a switch at a certain point and felt like they were a different team from about now onward. Um, we identified when they called up Logan and Paul Seawald as being kind of like the fulcrum on which the season turned, uh, stabilizing both the rotation and the bullpen and, you know, allowing the Mariners to kind of continue to be that team that held those magic leads and, you know, won one run ball games and walk offs and did all the weird things they did. I don't really see any reinforcements coming this year that are going to be that substantial. And that's bad. If you're, you know, if you're looking for a specific thing to say, Hey, the Mariners are going to call up this guy and it, you know, it's going to switch on a dime. Uh, I don't know if I see that. That being said, their team is so freaking young. And when you actually break it down, the average age of a player on this team is like 26 and a half. They are so young. And I don't feel like it's fair to expect the cavalry is coming necessarily, even if it is Jared. I do think it's fair to wonder if some of these guys who have gotten their feet wet, be it Julio, be it Cal, be it Jared, be it Logan, be it George Kirby, are going to play their best baseball ahead of them this season. Is that going to be enough for the Mariners to make the playoffs? Well, I can't say. I, my honest opinion is no. But they do... They are in a position to play better and to have their guys who are developing play better than they have already. Maybe not Logan because he's already been really good. Maybe Julio is pretty much the same. But you get my point. There is a possibility for the prospects to continue to develop and for us to feel better by virtue of them looking better as a team. You know what I mean? I feel like 
particularly when I broke down why I feel like they haven't been good so far, it's been kind of a hodgepodge of the bullpen, of injuries, of Jared. I think we would all feel better, as we as we said last year, we would all feel better if we see the development of the kids. And that, to me, is the thing I'm watching for. And I do think we're seeing signs of it. And Kate and I were talking before the pod about how good Cal's looked. And like that's a pretty big development that Cal looks like a major league player all of a sudden. So there are reasons to be, even aside from the playoffs, there are reasons to think the team is going to play its best baseball this season after today. And Ooh, I think yeah. that's encouraging. I do want to talk about Cal Raleigh very quickly because um, I was poking around on his numbers. And obviously they look rough for the full season, but if you isolate it to just June or just uh, May and specifically cut out the first week of May. So like May 7th to currently, um, he is really rounding into this three true outcomes player. Like he is walking about 10% of the time. He's striking out almost half. Over 45%, which is rough. Um, but he's also slugging like close to 500. So he's got a he's got a WRC plus of 110 for those months. And if you shout cut, out to Cal's one single. If you cut it out to if you cut it to like even just the last week, it's up to like 167. Again, purely because of the slugging. And uh credit to Mitch Haniger, who told Cal like basically Stop trying to do too much. Hunt the fastball. Be a fastball hitter. Like, find a fastball you can do something with and and do your best. And I think it's really helped Cal, like, kind of lean into his plus tool, which is his power. Um, helped him. He's had better plate appearances, I think. He's, I thought he looked so terrible in April. I was really questioning if he was a big leaguer at all. And I think the team very clearly, like, he was a guest hitter. Like, his plate appearances were just wretched. And I think <laughs> the team recognized that. And the team very much wanted to send him down uh, to work in Tacoma and to to maybe refine this philosophy of, of just not trying to do too much. And instead, he's had to learn it on the go. And he's had to learn it while playing, like, the most difficult defensive position on the field. And learning this pitching staff and managing them as they struggle. It's been a lot. And I think a 110, it's a 210 to me. Like I've been so impressed and happy with his play over the last couple weeks. And obviously development isn't linear. He could take a step back, but this is so, so encouraging. I, I can't think of another player who has made a more drastic turnaround in their season so far. It's also just genuinely hilarious that for a while he had six hits and five of them were home runs. That is just delightful. He is a three true outcomes king. Like he is just, just let it ride on that. It's, I don't think he's Zunino light. I don't think he's Mike Zunino because he doesn't have Zunino's huge power, but I think he has more contact skills. I really do. Uh, strikeout rate notwithstanding. I, I do think that will get better as he improves his approach against major league hitters or pitchers but he, he's found something that's working for him and he's one of the very few 2022 mariners who's done that so for that we we praise him i think if the mariners enter 2023 <laughs> with clear more clarity that is 
positive. The sort of frustrating point, obviously, being that that was the goal for last year and the year before and the year before that. And, you know, how much clarity do we really have at this point? Um, clarity that Jacob Crawford is a good fit. You have clarity that Ty France is a good fit. You probably have clarity that Julio Rodriguez is going to be all right. Um, and yeah. you probably have clarity in Logan Gilbert being, being legit. So um, that, you know, that is a big a component, but it's not, and, and, you know, Paul Seawald, but like, it really, it stings a lot. And I think that a big challenge is going to be the expectations that were set for this year were too big for the actual roster that we ended up. Agreed. But and I think that's that's the problem for me. That's, that's right. And that I think is on the organization. Um obviously, you know, we ourselves can calibrate better, but we also this was pretty heavily geared up to at least, you know, and you can push the timeline back based on COVID. But you know, at most, we you know, at at best, we are a year late to when you know competing was start to be starting was supposed to start to begin. And last year, un, unexpectedly, they did compete, um, albeit with you know no expectations. And this year, realistically, it makes sense that not all of these very minimally experienced players are thriving right away. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to think you see better 2023s and even better, you know, second halves of 2020s, like you said, for Cal Raleigh and for, you know, Julio, who in, adjusted faster than anyone because he's unbelievable. <laughs> but, you know, Perfect. still struggling. No notes. Or I, well, yeah, I mean, like, he is, there's a reason why people were so un, just flabbergasted, blown away by him. And I think everyone can sort of see that now. Um, but, you know, not everyone is like that, and they can still be good players. You know, Taylor Trammell could be a very good big leaguer. Kyle Lewis can still be a good consistent big leaguer um jared kelnick can still be a good consistent big leaguer um you know even evan white or cal raleigh or or you know uh, an, an, any number of other players in the system that are not yet performing healthfully or consistently can still be quality big leaguers but time frame is that they're not going to arrive immediately or semi immediately and deliver then either this team is not ready to compete or they you know we're going to need at least another year of eh, you know poor performance unless they are willing to go out and spend on big upgrades so that those younger players can have time to develop and play 
without all of the pressure being on them. Because right now, the success of the team is purely on, it, it, primarily on players who have not been successful major leaguers before. Can I stick on that point? Because I think you're exactly right. A couple of rebuttals. One is that you said the per, you know the expectations relative to the performance of the team is on the organization. I agree with that, but I do think there is an element of it that's on us as the fans because we got kind of reamed prior to the season for being a little pessimistic, negative, dare I say it, about our, not just like in the trade in particular, but like the Mariners' competitive prospects. I think there were a lot of people yeah. that felt like we were yeah. not giving the team a fair shake in terms of how right. good they were. And I think that that stems from a kind of rudimentary analysis of, oh, the team was, you know, plus 19 last year and we have the same team and we have Robbie Ray now, so we're going to be that plus better. It isn't how anything works. And the team was, I don't want to say bad last year, but they had a negative run differential and finished plus 19 in the win column. That team overperformed like way out of their league, disproportionately so. And I think that people didn't, they either didn't understand it or didn't want to understand it because they were so wrapped up in just how exciting it was and how fun it was. And I don't blame anybody for that. But a sober look at that team and going into this year understood that they could. And this was literally my preseason prediction. You know, we did the, the lookout landing like preseason prediction document or whatever. And I mm -hmm. hardly ever write for the site. But the thing I wrote on that was the Mariners will play will be a better team on paper and have a worse record. Like that was legitimately the outcome yeah. I expected and they haven't done that, but like that was realistically, that was pretty feasible. So I think expecting the Mariners to pick right up where they left off was never going to happen and was not something that people really should have thought. And they did. And that is on us. That is an expectation thing that we need to reset every year. And it's hard because last year was so much fun. Last year was believe last year was, Mitch Vermeer, and it came down to the very last day, and I loved it. But last year was magic and, you know, two-out RBIs and runs after the seventh inning and walk-off wins and all of these things that we said the whole time were unlikely to be sustainable and have not been sustained, and we shouldn't be surprised about that. Flip side, and this is where I'm going to get to your last point, is that you said we are basing the success of our team on players who do not have a major league track record. That is good. That is good because last year, the success of our team was based largely on a bullpen that was not going to stick around and was fungible right. to begin with. And two, our young players didn't play well last year. And our whole caveat for the whole season was, boy, we really like that the Mariners are winning, but we really wish some of the kids would hit. Um, the kids are hitting today, at least in some context. You know, obviously, Jared has been sent down, but Kyle Lewis is back sort of, um, and hit a ball 110 miles per hour, which is better than almost the rest of the team in his first appearance. Uh, Julio has been really good. Cal is rounded into form. George Kirby is here. Logan looks like he's taken a step forward. Compared to last year, where even though we played better, we were buoyed by some things that were unsustainable. I feel like the success we are having this year is buoyed by our young players, and I feel better about that. Is that crazy? No, oh, not crazy. I mean... I think with last year, it was difficult in the offseason because no one wanted to hear it, right? Like, everybody wants this team to be good so badly. Like, the players want to be the one to break the drought. The team obviously wants to shake off this history of ineptitude. 
the fans who have never been treated in the past 20 years to consistent winning baseball want the team to be good. We all want the team. The media wants it. Everybody whose livelihood depends on the Mariners wants the team to be good. Like, everybody wants the team to be good. And we just willed and willed. It almost felt like we willed them into winning last year and just maybe not so much this year or something. But I... I was talking with Zach Mason, who writes for the site, about this. And, like, again, just having been doing a lot of reflecting about my own just really negative feelings about the team and why so angry and disappointed. And Zach was like, you know, I kind of feel like I got, I feel like a chump. Like, I bought in, bought into this. And I was like, me too. I mean, all the stuff, we're going to end this and drought and the t-shirts and the cover of the Seattle Times Sports, which I just found actually the preseason cover of the Seattle Times. It's time to end the drought and like these big cute bubble letters, like just water balloons, like they're just about to to pop and rain all over the place. I, I now get what that is. Uh I I I believed like I got caught up in it and I got caught up in what what a winning team would feel like and I and would mean for everyone. And I I sort of didn't it was easier for me to be objective about the team in the offseason when I was like, they're falling short. They're they're of signing away from being a really competitive team. Like they have not done enough. That was my feeling in the offseason. And then they started playing and and I got all swept up and I I I do feel a little bit like a chump. Um or like angry at myself kind of for for being swept up in all that and not being able to be coolly logical about the team and now that that's now that the the spell's been broken so to speak like uh i feel like i can be objective about the team again and um hold them a little more at arm's length which is better for my mental health but is also like not as much fun Really. It, it so cuts you off from joy. It is, you know, it cuts you off from possible joy. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, I mean, people talk so about So thin on like, the ground uh, right now, too. Like, right. We all need some joy. And Mariners fans deserve joy. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, that is like, it's, it's easy to be cynical. It is the easiest thing in the world to be just like, Oh, this thing that might happen that's good, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, you're just playing the probabilities. Yeah, it's it's not a uh, yeah, it's not a challenging um angle. But you know, it it doesn't mean like being positive just because you want something to happen is is savvy. It is, I think, like you said, it feels it feels like we got taken for a ride a bit. And that's, you know, that was sort of how it felt at the start of the year for me as well of like, really, you really standing up here and saying you, you, you this was the best you could do. Like, you know, cause it's not a fun experience, but you know, Fans are having a lot of fun with the CS rise hashtag yeah, because the, I uh, oh god 
I I did like the see it rise, but so it goes, which is of course a mm-hmm. line from Vonnegut and has been, you know, grimly comic, which is I feel like so often the position this team forces you into, but um but other people's riffs on it have mm-hmm. included like see us lies, um <laughs> real eyes recognize see us lies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, you really play a dangerous game with pissing off Mariners fans because uh, it's such a smart fan base and, like, clever. And we don't have, a, a, like, playoffs or anything to distract us. So everyone can just kind of, um, can just riff. And it's, uh, it, they've yeah. been extremely riffable. And, um, you know, they... Uh, I no longer believe C.S. Ruse. I thought that was a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you feel like... (sighs) I'm trying to think of how I want to frame this, but like we we were talking a little bit about the way that the organization has sort of... um, (sighs) Not just on the field, but off the field as well, sort of put the cart before the horse a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know. It, yeah, that, they got that. like all all hyped up about having the all-star game here and, you know, these improvements that they're making to the ballpark that 90% of the fan base won't be able to afford to partake in. At least 90. Yeah, pro- probably higher. I was I was being generous. We are a, we are a wealthy base, but, you know, obviously that wealth is distributed inequitably. Um, yeah, I, I, they've gotten all the, you know, the, I've heard a lot of complaints from season ticket members and, uh, would be interested in hearing from those of you who are season ticket members about this, please, you know, go ahead and DM the LL account if you've got info. Um, but I've heard season ticket holders are dissatisfied with what they feel like has been, a um, kind of a lessening of the privileges afforded with with season tickets and specifically from some people who've come over from other fan bases and like, wow, this experience is not as good as the experience I had as a Padres season ticket holder. So, um, I think it's really important that they, they're, that we acknowledge where they're falling short, uh, because they, I think I told you, John, like it's, it's like you when you go to high school and you're like, I'm gonna reinvent myself and get a new mm. haircut, cool new wardrobe. Yeah, I like- but then you're like the same person underneath, and that just outs <laughs> itself over time. Like you are still, if you do not change the core, then all yeah. the other stuff is just window dressing. And you know, the Mariners sold us on this like cool new version of them, see us rise, this rebrand. And I feel like not only have they willfully turned their back on things like Louis Louis, which is another bone of contention, another issue that I think worth talking about. They've turned their backs on that, but they, you know, in trying to distance themselves from this history of failure and fake it till you make it this version of success, in falling short of that, they've really alienated people. And Mariners fans are angry in a way I have not seen them be angry in a long time. I'm going to, I think we should wrap soon because I think that. We've really stuck to a, a, a really good like core theme for this episode, which is kind of like Russia? a little bit of a detox for where the Mariners are at, right? <laughs> like kind of a, a state of the union, as it were. 
I think that if <laughs> state you of wanted, the disunion, a state of the disunion. <laughs> yeah. But if you wanted to look at the rest of the season, kind of in a specific context, I would say that, and you know, John said, we, we think this every year, but in particular, we're going to find out what Jerry DePoto is made of the rest of this season, because I do, I, I think it's fair that this organization and the people who are the faces of it, given the way that this has all gone down are on the hot seat. And I think that the, the book on Jerry has always been that he's, capable of developing a prospect system. And when he took over the Mariners, what they really needed more than anything after the Zorenzic era was somebody to tear it down to the studs and rebuild their development organization from the top down, from the bottom up, whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Like the Mariners development system, their ability to turn prospects into major league players was completely severed during the Zorenzic era. And they needed to redo that. He has done that. There is a separate question that has always been over his organization, which is, is he good at part two? Which is, hey, you stacked all these prospects. Can, can you actually convert them into major league performance? And can you also augment that team, that young team, with the correct players to take the next step? I do think that no matter what you think of this season, whether or not you think it was a development year or not, and I kind of am of the belief that it was, they were on the clock. Right, they were on the clock to perform with this roster in some capacity. This was kids augmented with good veterans like Jesse Winker and Adam Frazier and Suarez are at least theoretically and to, to a different degree on paper like above average regulars. So we kind of did that. We did this was a real shot. This was a real go at it at being a competitive team, even if they had a distance to cover. And they're zero for one. They struck out on on this year and this attempt with this roster. So I think that we're going to learn a lot about what Jerry thinks about what went wrong, about how they should fix it, and about whether or not his major league roster construction is actually any good. And I do think that that is still an open question. My inclination is to that last point. I would be pretty shocked if we actually see depoto gone um and at least for next year um if only because depoto is specifically i think willing to had been willing to work with the financial limitations of mariner's ownership now if it was either if it was not that case or um, Mariner's ownership says, well, we would like to frame it as Jerry said he could make it work with this, and uh, instead he fucked it up. Um, you know, then, then I think we're in trouble. But I, I do think, on the whole, this is not a um, this is not a bad situation, and going forward you know still an organization with a ton of young talent just might longer for that to manifest into something that we wanted it to be yep i agree i don't think depoto is going anywhere anytime soon like they're gonna let him see this through and part yeah. of the reason that it's so slow is because it's they went the other way first of trying to play it out, play out the string with the high-priced veterans and 
didn't work. So to supplement that, they had sold off most of the farm. They had to restock the farm. Now you have those guys getting up to the majors. And it's not even like, it's only the first wave that's like kind of just gotten here, right? It's only the 2016, 17 guys who are finally making it up. So, you know, we've. I think that there's there's time ahead of us. And I know people want to see change and they're frustrated and... Um, but it, I think it's important not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I do think there are organizational things that could be changed and should be changed. Um, I was disturbed about the loss of some of the coaches we had, like a huge purge. And from what I have yeah. gathered, it's largely because of some of the Mariners' labor practices, which are not great. Uh, specifically, as f- go ahead, John. This is yeah no I sorry I, I didn't want to cut you off I, this is I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is honestly yeah. the thing that I am most yeah I'm concerned very concerned with as an organization is the fact that yeah that they have really poor um, reputation in terms of how they like their level of pay is very poor and because of that they they continue to lose talent and like you can do that for a while because yep. there's so many people who want to work in baseball. And there's so many smart people who are young and just want to in, but eventually. And Jesse Smith has losing, said that the director you know, of analytics has Drew, said out loud on one of I forget what it was one of the shows. Uh, this was years ago, but he was basically bragging about the fact that they can underpay people from Ivy League schools because everyone wants to work in baseball so bad, and that works for a while, like you said, because people want a foot in the door, mm-hmm. and then they leave. They leave for we have a a pipeline of people going to other organizations where they get Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. stability. They're signed to longer term contracts. They have more stability for their family. And like, as far as the pay goes, we'll just say they, if they were living in Seattle on what we pay some of our minor league coaches, they would be on financial assistance. They would qualify for food food assistance here in the city. They they do not make enough to live in the city. And, you know, obviously they adjust for, for wherever, but yeah. you're a, a coach for an affiliate. Like you have one of those jobs, like it's, it's tough. It's bad. And I think those are the things, yeah. again, it's so easy to point fingers at the faces of the organization and specifically Scott service, who honestly, I think is just doing the best he can at all, at all junctures. Um, but the real things that need to be changed, I think are much more organizational endemic. Um, and unfortunately are things that have to come from the top. So, (laughs) well, a big stride for the organization would be having a nice series, uh, here this, uh, this weekend against Houston, which we did not really choose to preview because, to be uh, honest, they faced Justin Verlander tonight. Sorry. And I, didn't I, didn't, I didn't realize that you said it out uh, loud and that, I just like so. had flashbacks. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. I'm going to be at yeah. the game tonight. Yeah. I have to. Um, and tomorrow. Tomorrow's a friend's birthday. Tonight, yeah. uh, I have to get that hat for one of our LLers. It's a sick we hat. Actually have, we have oh, two yes. LL staff oh, members who really hat. want the hat. And I it's do not want to have hat. to choose between my favorite children. So if anyone has a, <laughs> if anyone has an extra hat that they're somehow able to get their hands <laughs> on, I'm going to try. See if uh, 
one gets maybe like left behind or I can bum one off of someone. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to try really hard. But yeah, if you, if you have one, please, if you wind up with an extra one, please be in contact because uh, I really, really want to get them to our out of state LLers so they can, they can support the Mariners for reasons unbeknownst. <laughs> Before we go to, do people know that Kyle Lewis plays for the Mariners again? God, That's like super yeah. hot fire. I feel like there is, I don't want to say negativity. We had to be pessimistic today because the team has been bad. Kyle Lewis being back means so much to me personally. I'm so happy to see him I'm playing. Happy for you, Evan. Oh God, I love it so much. Happy for this you, team Evan. is yeah. so much more fun with Taylor Chamel and Kyle Lewis than with it Mike hurts. Ford and Steven Souza. Like, good uh, God. Uh, when they lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it really is. Mm-hmm. And even just like a small moment was like JP got on base and Kyle Lewis came up behind him. And there was a shot of JP like kind of nodding his head to Kalo's music, walk-up music. And I was like, ah, oh, the vibes. The vibes are improving. Ah, oh, so much. Feels good. I'm, I'm so happy he's back. I really am. Hopefully uh, his return and uh, the, the two of them's return um, can continue. I mean, they've, they have been performing all right. So hopefully it can continue uh, to uh, lead to some better... Uh, better outcomes because good grief we need that better spirit um and even just even just a middling season for me i think would uh, give better better vibes and better feelings um for the for the rest of the year so hopefully that's to come hopefully that begins soon Uh, and we 